text today is in Luke chapter number 5. <coughs> Luke's gospel, chapter number 5, as we continue with the life of Christ leading us up to the Easter season in a, in a few weeks. One of my favorite memories of my Uncle Ed was fishing on Indian Lake. There's a valley on the New York and Connecticut border. There's a small lake. Half of it's in New York State and half of it's in Connecticut. And my Uncle Olaf had a cabin on the New York side and he had a small boat. So Uncle Ad and I would borrow Olaf's boat and spend our evening fishing. And the wind blew out of the south down through the valley, so we'd go to the south end of the lake and turn off the motor and just drift down the lake towards the north. The south end was shallow, so we always caught perch in the shallow part where the cattails grew. And we always had a competition between the two of us over who was going to catch the most fish and what kind of fish we were going to catch and all anything you could think of. And so as soon as we shut off the motor, Uncle Ed would say, well, I'm going to catch a perch. And of course, he always did because that's what was on that end of the lake. So we drifted down through the lake towards the north, and there were power lines that ran over top of the lake. And under the power lines was a big drop-off. So naturally, when we got to that point, Uncle Ed would say, I'm going to catch a sunfish. And as soon as we got to the drop-off, and we would catch a sunfish or a pumpkin seed near the drop-off under the power lines. But our favorite fish to catch were crappies. Uh, they were uh, the best tasting fish and usually the biggest fish. And towards evening, when the sun was low in the sky, the crappies would come up to the surface to feed. And on a calm day, you could see the schools of crappies feeding on the surface because their top fins stuck right out of the water. Well, one time we were sitting at opposite ends of the boat facing each other, and I looked behind Uncle Ed, and I could see crappies swimming along a school of them towards the boat. So I said to Uncle Ed, all you ever catch is sunfish. Well, I'm going to catch a crappy. And Uncle Ed said, you can't catch a crappy. So I cast it out and immediately got a bite and hauled in that crappy. And I said, I told you I was going to catch a crappy. And just to prove it to you, I'm going to catch another one. Watch this. And I cast it out, and right away, I got another bite, pulled in another crappy. Well, by then, they were all around the boat, and he started screaming, You cheat! You cheat! You cheat! <laughs> well, we got to know that lake pretty well. Perch on the south end, sunfish under the power lines, bass near the lily pads, and crappies in the evening before it got dark, we caught as many as we wanted, whatever kind we wanted. We went home usually with 20 or 25 fish. But it was always a stiff competition. Who's going to get the biggest? Who's going to get the most? Our text today is about fishing. And you might say it's a competition. But it will lead to the most shocking statement. 
And that most unusual statement is what we want to think about this morning. Now last week we saw Jesus driven out of the town of Nazareth, his hometown, after preaching a wonderful sermon there. Now Jesus had traveled from town to town, preaching as he went. He's working his way east towards the Sea of Galilee to a little town called Capernaum. Now the lake, Sea of Galilee, has affected the culture in Capernaum. The primary food source for the town is the fish out of the lake. And so fishermen go fishing in their boats in the evening and the night hours when the fish are feeding. And they sell their fish on the shore in the early morning hours. And it became a town marketplace. If you had large fish, they were uh, put on a long line to be hung up. Smaller fish were put in baskets and sold in larger quantities. And of course, with no refrigeration, people came every morning to buy breakfast, lunch, and supper for the day. So everyone in town gathers by the seashore in the morning, and it becomes a time to visit friends and neighbors and just to linger for a little while before you head back home for the day. But on this particular morning, something quite unusual has happened. As the people arrive to buy their fish, the lines for hanging big fish are empty. And the baskets are turned upside down. No fish for sale. The reason? Well, they fished all night and they caught nothing. Now, these fishermen are experts. They know where to fish. They know the shallows. They know the drop-offs. If you line up with that big rock on the shore, that's a good spot. Or that tree there, line up with that tree they know the fish will feed in the evening. They know every trick and every hot spot and every current and every type of fish and where to catch them. But no big fish, no small fish. They've dragged their nets all night and caught nothing but stones from scraping along the bottom and seaweed. And now they're mending and washing their nets on the shore with no fish to sell. It's an unusual situation. The people gather as per normal. They come, they arrive, and uh, they're talking it over. And they ask the fish, what? Nothing? Where's all the fish? And as they linger, suddenly somebody spots a man walking along the shore towards the boats. Hey, look, (laughs) that's that Jesus of Nazareth. Everybody knows him now. And did you see him last Sabbath day at the synagogue? Were you there when he did that? He cast a demon out of a man like he was a boss. Wow, he's really something. And they begin to move toward Jesus and gather around him. They want to hear him speak. And so he begins to teach the people and the crowd gets larger pushes closer and closer until Jesus is standing right on the edge of the water and the waves are washing in over his feet. Now, my friends, do you think Jesus came there accidentally? 
Do you think he just happened to be strolling by? Do you think he came to buy a fish? Oh, no. It's no accident. He's about his father's business, which at 12 years old is what he wanted to do. He's doing his father's will. He is teaching, and the sermon that he's been teaching as he preaches his way across Galilee is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or in other words, you can become a citizen of heaven and you can do it today, right now, while I'm talking to you. Now, nobody ever spoke like Jesus. So captivating, so interesting, so persuasive. And you could listen to him all day. So let's take up the story now. Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, or that's the Sea of Galilee, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now you recall from last week that in the synagogue, they always sat down to speak. So Jesus says to Simon Peter, can you push out a few feet into the lake? And Peter pushes his boat out and drops an anchor over. And Jesus sits on the bow of the ship. And he begins to talk to the people. Now he had a loud commanding voice. He could speak to crowds of thousands and be heard. And the fish market people gather around listening and just glued to Jesus. He brings his sermon to a close. And no doubt leaves them with a challenge. In verse number four. And when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answered, he said unto him, Master, we have tiled all the night, have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now the key word is nevertheless. Uh, if you look it up in the dictionary, you might say, in spite of that, or Peter's point to Jesus is this. Here's a fact, Jesus. We fished all night. And at night, when fish are feeding, we fished. We fished every deep hole, every hot spot, Every shallow bank, every lily pad, we did it all. And the fact is, there are no fish to be had. And it's daylight, therefore, no fish are feeding. We do this for a living. Fact is, there are no fish available, nevertheless. <laughs> or in spite of that fact... Or in very plain terms, we put it like this. We didn't catch anything all night long. What makes you think we're going to catch anything now? Or nevertheless, because you asked, we'll do it. Now, my friends, I'm guessing that Peter fished all night. And I'm guessing that he was in a pretty bad mood. 
having to tell several hundred customers, sorry, we didn't catch a fish, not even once. And now this bad mood is quietly sulking as Jesus suggests to try it one more time. You don't ever get in a bad mood, do you? Well, here we go, verse 6. When they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes in their net break, and they beckoned to their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. So Peter would jump into the lake and swim, holding on to one end of the net, the other end tied to the boat. He would swim out, stretching out the net as far as it could go, And then the boat would drag the net, and Peter would get back in the boat and tie the other end of the net to the boat, and they'd drag the net through the water. So now the net is tied to the boat on both ends being dragged. And it's time to pull the net in. So they pull on the ropes. There's pressure there. Let's pull a little harder. They pull a little harder. There's a lot of pressure there. So we're going to have to grab hold. Come on, let's grab hold and get a hold of that thing. And uh, just when the top of the net comes out of the water, we can't do it. It's too heavy. We can't pull it in. So shouting out to their partners, which is James and John in the other boat, quick, we got a net full. Come and help. James and John pushed off in their boat and come alongside. Now they're all in the same boat. So there's Peter and Andrew and James and John and Jesus. All five of them are going to pull on the net. One end tied to the boat, pulling on the other end. Pull, ready, pull! Next thing you know, they're standing in a boat with fish right up to their knees. Untie the net, attach it to James and John's boat, and we'll do the same thing again. And now we got two boats full of fish right up to their knees, so laden down that both boats are right on the edge of the water line, any more weight, and they'll sink. Nobody has ever seen such a huge net full of fish big enough to fill two bolts. It just doesn't happen. It's astonishing. Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes that they had taken. And so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon Peter. Now, my friends, think with me for a minute. No doubt the people on the shore are watching. Remember, they couldn't buy any fish. And now there's two boats full of fish. Big ones, small ones, 
It's the catch of a lifetime. And Peter, surrounded by fish, drops down on his hands and knees. At Jesus' knees, it says, and he says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. That's a shocking statement to make. My friends, why? Why did Peter say to Jesus, depart from me, go away from me, leave me alone? You'd think they'd be doing high fives, wouldn't you? Huh? Check this out. Two boatloads full of fish. It's unbelievable. But no, Peter is down on his hands and knees with his head down. And he says, depart from me. What is he thinking? Wait, wait a minute. Remember... Last week, the people of Nazareth, that bad-tempered town, isn't that what they said? Get out. We don't want you. Depart from us. What's going on in Peter's mind that he tells Jesus, depart from me? Now look, my friends, Peter knew every hot spot, every fishing hole in the whole lake. He tried them all and failed. Because there were no fish all night. But now in one attempt, they had two boats full just by doing what Jesus instructed them to do. And to Peter, it seems like Jesus can see under the water. He sees what I can't see. Either he can see under the water, or he controls the fish under the water, or maybe both. Now, we do know something about Peter from studying his life. We know he knew how to curse and swear. And if I were to guess, every time Peter pulled in a net full of seaweed or an empty net, he cursed a fish he cursed the net. He cursed the night. Until he was in such a bad mood. And Jesus said, let's try it once more. And he said, nevertheless. It was suddenly clear and clear in Peter's mind. This man who can see beneath the waves is no ordinary man. He must be the Son of God. And I'm a bad-tempered, 
cursing, miserable man in a bad mood. I don't deserve to have Jesus in my boat. So Jesus, depart from me. I'm full of regret. I've been so bad-tempered all night and all morning. Why do you want to be near me? I feel so unworthy of your presence. See, it was different at Nazareth, my friends. They said, get out, Jesus. We don't want you. In Peter's boat, it was depart from me because you don't want me. Now, my friends, I'm going to guess again. But I think Peter looked down at the fish right up to his knees in the boat, astonished. And then he must have looked over at Jesus. You would, you know. He looks over at Jesus. And I'm guessing, but I think Jesus is smiling. (laughs) Because I also know Jesus. And I know what he's like. He's patient with me. When I'm in a bad mood, he's smiling. Because he loves me. John, who also saw the whole thing, would write later on, perfect love casts out fear. Peter was afraid of Jesus. He's so powerful. I'm so weak. He's so good. I'm so bad. He's so forgiving. And I'm so worthy of punishment. So depart from me. I'm afraid. I'm a sinner who needs to be punished. And Jesus, wonderful response, verse 10. So also was James and John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Don't be afraid, Peter. First of all, I love you, I love you. Yes, you've been in a bad mood all morning, but I love you. So don't fear. But I want you to learn the lesson. I'm teaching you a lesson because from now on, I want you to catch men, not fish. And what a lesson it was. Perfectly executed by Jesus. Will you consider the events of the day as he perfectly executes Peter's lesson? A crowd gathers at the shore. They're hungry. They're looking for food. And Peter has nothing to offer. Jesus comes walking along the shore. He does have something to offer. He feeds their souls from Peter's empty boat with his wonderful words. And now Peter, he says, 
go back to the shore. They're waiting. I have filled your boats so you can feed the people. Go back and sell your fish. And when you do, tell them in glowing terms that if it wasn't for Jesus, you would have nothing to offer. And offer them what they want most. Not a fish for breakfast, but a feast for their souls. So drop the net, Peter, and pull it in and see what you can catch for the kingdom. I'll teach you how to fish for men. Verse 11. When they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. So my friends, what do you do in order to fulfill your purpose in life. Peter and Andrew and James and John left all and followed him. Following Jesus was more important to them than their boats and their nets and their fishing. Come on, let's go fish for men. In Acts chapter 2, we read that Peter cast out his net on the day of Pentecost And there were 2,000 souls that he drew in back in the net. And that's more fish than in both boats. He told them, it's Jesus you need. He's God. He can see under the sea and he can walk on top of it. Jesus is all your heart desires. You may be unworthy of him, but he loves you anyways. He's got everything you need, my friends. He wants us to fish for men and pull them in. And to invite them. And to entice them. And to embrace them. And to welcome them. And to catch them in the gospel net. Hungry people are waiting. Let's feed their souls with Jesus and His Word. And my friends, was there ever a time when this world offered such shallow, irrational, confusing, pointless, misleading advice? Therefore, we have a great opportunity. There are hungry souls who have come in search of something to satisfy their inner desires, and Jesus has given a boatload to us to feed their hungry hearts. So he says to us, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. I pray that you all will be able to say, we left all and followed Jesus. Shall we pray, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you did that day. And we think how impressive it must have been to see it. And we know how impressive you are. And so we ask that as we live our lives for you, that we can show to others just how wonderful you are and how much you're willing to feed their souls. So in this hungry, starving world, we ask that we would do our best to make sure that in this little corner of the world, thy kingdom comes. Bless us, we pray, as we serve you with all our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn your hymn book, page number 170.
page number 170, standing as we sing, O Master, let me walk with thee. Standing as we sing, number 170, O Master, let me walk with thee. Page number 170. from us, but we are encouraged by the words that you said, do not be afraid, I will learn to help you to learn to catch men. We just pray that our hearts would know your forgiveness and would know your love, and that we would take that love and forgiveness and spread it to every person that we could. We so often are caught up in things of this world, Lord, and we ask that you would help us to focus on the next world, to remember what we are here to do, to show us the pathway that you have for us. Let us live in that way. Let us walk in that way and draw others with us. Help us to be fishers of men. Help us to catch others by our winning words of love and our kindness, and our patience. Help us to show others the way to you. To experience the forgiveness that we have experienced. We thank you for this opportunity, and that we have such a chance, and that you are such a forgiving and loving God to us. We pray that you would help us. Protect all of these folks as they go out into this world. May they go and spread your gospel to others, and the winning words of love. Bring them all back to this place, Lord, that we may be together again. 
We are thankful for all of the things you do for us in your name.